Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fairy Conclave. This is episode 92. I'm your host, Alec. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm super excited to have somebody on the show who honestly probably needs no introduction in the Commander community. It's Matt Morgan. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Alec? It's good good to be on. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing really well. I have taken a bit of a hiatus from podcasting, but um, I'm back and I'm excited to be recording this episode with you. And um, yeah, I know we uh, hung out and played some games um, of Commander in person back at the um, MTG Summit at the end of last year. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to um, talk about one of the decks that I saw you play that day. Yeah, it's 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 been a few few months both since we got a chance to talk, but uh, yeah. I'm glad I get to uh, to help break in uh, recording for you again. So it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited, and I think I'm also gonna be completing the like pantheon of EDH rec hosts with this episode. It's it's true. <laughs> well, and and I feel bad too because we we met at Summit. We we met in person. And we talked a little bit about getting together, but then it just didn't happen because holidays seem to be busy for everybody, but yep. then just schedules. And so it's not a, it's not the fact that we didn't want to record together. It's just <laughs> finding a chance to do it is just such a pain sometimes when you have real life things going on too. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And especially the way I, I run this podcast where it's myself and then a guest and I have usually a different guest each episode. I have, you know, I have a bunch of people that are various stages of um, like tentative scheduling. So that's kind of mm-hmm. honestly the the part that takes the longest is is just scheduling to get people on. But, you know, I love it. And I'm glad that we could sit down and yeah, um, on we're, this, we're here now. Yep, yeah, On this humble Monday afternoon. Um, we're here now. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining Perfect. me. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I'm glad it finally worked out for us. Yes. Sweets. Okay. And so before we, um, get too deep into the magic part of this episode, one quick part of the introduction is I want to do my patron shout outs, um, for patrons at the Conclave Mentor level. And first of all, uh, my Patreon is like fairly new. Um, And I'm kind of adjusting it and updating it always um, recently. So thank you for everyone who signed up. I appreciate it so much. And so today's Conclave Mentor shout out is going to Ms. Eldritch. So thank you, Deanna, so much for being a patron. Side note, I have an episode with Ms. Eldritch where we talked about one of her favorite decks. uh, And um, yeah, you can find that at some point. I can't remember which. Oh, actually, I do remember what episode it was. Um, this was episode 69, and I remember kidding, specifically kidding, kidding. that we did that one with Ms. Eldritch. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. De- Deanna's good people. We- we've we've had her on the stream. Uh, it yeah. was a lot of fun getting to jam games. So, yeah, very, very worthy shout out there. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I guess I actually didn't introduce you too well earlier, Matt, but you are one of the well, hosts. I, I, don't, of... <laughs> I don't need any introduction, apparently. And I, it's that's true. fine with me. In my opinion, that is true. Um, but I did want to say that I am a big fan of the EDA Trek podcast. Have been for a long time. I've I've listened to I like I listen to every episode when it comes out. So yeah, I'm always excited for that. Um, and so thank you for making it. Well, thank thank you. It's it's nice to hear. Um, it, it's weird. Like we recently recorded our. Uh, our five-year anniversary episode mm. that just came out where we kind of talked about how we got into the format yeah. and how it's changed over time. And so it's it's really crazy to think that we've been doing the show for five years. 
but also just that th there have been folks who have come into the format and come into Magic who haven't been playing as long as we've been doing the show. And so that's all they know. And, and it, it's kind of a weird feeling because when I got back into the game, that was kind of my relationship with the Command Zone folks because they started mm -hmm. about the same time that I came in. So, you know, the, the I can kind of track how long I've been playing Magic again because I played when I, when I was a kid like most people did. But then Josh and Jimmy started doing their thing. And that was kind of the only real Magic Commander podcast to listen to. So it was yeah. super fun. Kind of, okay, this new thing. Oh, this is a new thing too. I can I can kind of go along with that. But yeah, so it's it's weird dating myself like that at the same <laughs> time. But um, yeah, it, the, the doing the EDH retcast, it's it's a ton of fun. Um, and it's yeah, it's just it's wild that we've been doing this for five years already. Yeah. Yeah, that is wild. And yeah, I loved that episode. I actually just watched it earlier today. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's really cool to like think back on like what your first pre-con was um, or what your first commander was and kind of the the age of EDH that was happening at the time and how different it is from now. I think it's super interesting to talk about stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe in the future we can do this again and we can talk about how we used to like shake our fists at clouds like old men. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of satisfying. Like, yeah, I remember um, some commanders back then that I just absolutely despised. And I was like, I can't, like, I can't stand playing against this commander. And nowadays I'm like, I, that commander's totally fine. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but, or on the flip side, uh, opposite of what, you know, your, your story there. I remember when I was getting into Commander, I was I, I looked at Primeval Titan. I'm like, this card is great. Mm. And then one of my buddies said, well, actually, like that card is banned. You can't play it. And I was like, I don't know what they're doing. This card, this, this card's fine. <laughs> and so I put into a bunch of decks. And then eventually I came around and realized, okay, maybe this card isn't actually okay in the like after all. So <laughs> I get why it's banned, but still I want to play it. And so yeah. I'm I'm still chasing that high of of being able to like be willfully ignorant about a card's legality because I just can't do that anymore, which it's fine. <laughs> but I will always miss Primeval Titan. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely went through a phase similar with Grizzlebrand. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, because I'm, I'm a big Demons fan. I love playing Demons in, in Commander. And uh, my playgroup actually uh, pretty recently, like last year, let me put uh, let me put Grizzlebrand into one of my decks. And literally just the first game I played it, I was like, okay, yeah, this card should certainly be banned. Like, I feel... <laughs> <laughs> okay, mate, maybe you're onto something, folks. All right. I was like, thank you so much, Playgroup, for letting me play this, but that will not be happening again for my own sake as well as yours. <laughs> but, but sometimes you just, you got to get your kicks in. I I get it. Like, I, I am all for... like. Uh, I used to play a lot of modern and doing a, like a new ban list modern, for example, mm. that was always something fun to do too. And, and so, yeah, if you have a play group that wants to do, Hey, I want to play this one band card and just throw it in a deck just once. What do you guys think? And then everybody being okay with that. And that, that's one of my favorite things about commander. And that's probably why I've stuck around is because when you find good people to play with and you can be flexible like that, like those are the fun times that you just, you don't get to do with strangers, especially when you go to like to big events. And so, yeah, it's, it's a fun having that, that small bonded play group. Yeah. Yeah. It's really rewarding too, because 
then you can start getting into some weird stuff like playing um, like unset commanders, but being able to do it like in a responsible way that adds like <laughs> value to your playgroup, you know, <laughs> in, in a responsible way is a very, very important <laughs> disclaimer when discussing on sets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it is fun. It's like, yeah, it's just like, remember that one time that uh, Alec drew 50 cards off Grizzlebrand and everyone's like, yep, I remember that the one time uh-huh. that it happened. Uh, it was oh, cool. I, <laughs> I, I miss Grizzledad. That was uh, I, I've I've shared many <laughs> stories because of that card, but not just not in Commander, sadly. So, mm, yep, and it that's probably okay. I think <laughs> it pro- probably is. I agree. Sweet. Well, let's get into the episode for today, which is a Commander deck yeah. interview. I love to do these; they're one of my favorite types of episodes, and it's just because I get to chat with somebody about their favorite Commander deck and. Anyone out there who's played Commander and built a deck knows that you really put your whole heart and soul into building a deck, and especially one that you've played a long time. I think there's a lot of really cool insight and value you can get from somebody who's done that. So yeah, let's kick it off with my first question for you, Matt, which is who is your Commander and what inspired you to build this deck in the first place? So the Commander that I've really been enjoying probably the most over the the past year or so has been Raga Draga Gorgut's Boss. And so it's not the oldest deck that I have, because I remember when you and I were talking about doing this originally, I still had my Miri Weatherlight Duelist deck, and and sadly Mm. that that Commander's kind of been churned through. I still have the deck in spirit. It, It just evolved into something that Miri wasn't 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 the deck for anymore but raga draga is the deck that i think has been one of those perfect sweet spots for me where it's a blend of me getting to to brew a deck that is still very wholly me like it does the things that i like to do but i also get to do a little bit of the the hipster factor which after five years of doing a podcast with somebody like if you don't (laughs) pick up on things that they do then then you probably aren't just talking and so Dana Roach very much is known for his his hipster, I'm doing something nobody else is doing builds. Yep. And so for me, a little bit of that has rubbed off where I still want to do the powerful things that I like doing, but I want to find some some angle for it. And that's what I, I would say a majority of commander players like to do is they, they like to find some angle that isn't quite what everybody else is doing, but it's close enough that the, the commander kind of amplifies what they want to do. And, and this is it. So... Um, I know you see Raga Draga, which for those of you who don't know, it's it's two, a red and a green for a legendary human boar that's a 4-4. Four, four, and each creature you control with a mana ability gets plus two, plus two. Whenever a creature you control with a mana ability attacks, you untap it. So pseudo vigilance. And then whenever you cast a spell, if at least seven mana was spent to cast it, you untap target creature and it gets plus seven, plus seven and gets trampled until end of turn. So you might not think Eldrazi when it comes to each creature with a mana ability. Yes, casting things that cost seven or more, totally get it. But this is actually my Eldrazi deck. So I built the deck originally very much how the typical EDH rec list look. You, you have a lot of mana dorks, you have land of war elves, birds of paradise, and all that stuff. Because I, I love using creatures to ramp into bigger creatures. And one of the problems that I've always found is well, a Birds of Paradise isn't really very helpful at like turn six on. You want it early, you don't want it late. So Raga Draga kind of fixes that problem where it turns this irrelevant creature that's a, a zero one with flying into, I mean, it's a two, three body. So it's souping up 
all of your your creatures that have the mana abilities. And so I started off very basic with okay, Fiend Horn Elves, all of my mana dorks, and then something big to finish off whatever like whatever personal flavor you put to it. But the more digging I did, I was looking into okay, what are some cool mana abilities that I want? And then I realized, oh well, like if I animate my my land and turn it into a creature. Well, then it also has a mana ability. It's a creature. So stuff like uh, Ink Moth Nexus, for example, I, it, that turns into a 3-3 three, three instead of just a 1-1. One, one. So that was kind of my my first realization on something cool that I could be doing with it. But mm. then I realized that Eldrazi, you do have Eldrazi with mana abilities because Eldrazi Scions and Eldrazi Spawn Tokens, they have the ability where you can sacrifice this creature to add one mana to your mana pool. Well, that technically counts as a mana ability. And, and therefore, yes. they benefit from Raga Draga's ability. And so when I had that revelation, it opened up the floodgates. And so there was a lot of cool brewing that I was able to do because, A, nobody uses Eldrazi Scions and Spawns. Like, nobody's using Brood yeah. Monitor in, a, in the typical deck. <laughs> but also, you're able to not just do something a little off the beaten path, but it was powerful. And and that's that kind of hit that sweet, just perfect spot for me where... It's doing powerful things, but it's also doing some, something from just a little bit different angle of attack. And that's that's when I knew I was like, okay, this is going to be a deck I keep together for a long, long time. That is really cool. What you're saying about trying to balance doing something like weird and unconventional, but also with enough power to make it kind of feel worth it. That's something yes. that that uh, uh, yeah that I I'm always kind of trying to find because. I also just love doing weird stuff that might not be like super represented on EDH rec trying to, you know, kind of like show off my deck building skills type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But if, if all of that work kind of results in something that, that gets beaten down every game and can't do much, it's, <laughs> it doesn't feel yeah. as good. So yeah, I love that this commander is able to kind of like this one card being printed is able to like create this strategy from Eldrazi sounds and spawn, which is yeah nothing I've seen before. Yeah, when and like you just said too, people like to do powerful things, and it's not that people don't like to win, but that's just not the primary goal. The primary mm-hmm. goal for me, at least, is to have those experiences, is to do something cool, and get to express myself. And obviously, like, I'm a very competitive person, so getting to win is a nice bonus, but it's not the primary objective for the game. But I was still able to kind of okay if I win. I knew I got to do something really big and cool. And that's that was just why I just I got so hooked so quick on Raga Draga. Gotcha. Yeah, I think also I love that this is in um red green colors, which it just mm-hmm. seems it seems really cool because and this was like a little while ago, but I went through a, a period where uh, I was trying to build decks that didn't overlap color combinations with decks I already had. I've since abandoned that entirely, and now I have like five blue black decks. Back then, that's what <laughs> I was trying to do. And your your intentions were good, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the time, it was kind of a, a deck building um, uh, exercise, I guess. And I, I struggled a lot with with gruel colors with red green, just because uh, a couple, this was a couple years ago, all of the commanders kind of just generally did the same thing, um, mm-hmm. which was yeah, very much. Yeah. Yeah. Which was kind of like ramp into big creatures uh, and give haste and like care about uh, creatures in some way, which is all like fun and, and cool, but it just didn't really interest me as much. But yeah, Raga Draga just like takes that exact thing, which is perfect, but just gives it a little twist, which I think is really cool. 
Well, and there's so many cool, I, I, typically Eldrazi are, are in not red colors. And so, mm. but there are so many cool ones that I get to play now. Uh, Rapacious one is just <laughs> such a gnarly card that I remember I thought it would be fun to put with Perforos when I was Ooh. just playing 60 card casual formats. And now I get to play it in Commander, which is, I, I'm not playing Perforos in this deck. I, I don't want it to be that powerful. Like this deck very obviously could be tuned. I could do, you know, go the, the very obvious like parallel lives and doubling season type of mm, strategies. Yeah. That's it's powerful, but it's not what I want to do. I, the, I don't want this to be a tuned to the gills type of deck. I want it to, I want it to be less than a seven. Like I, I want to do something wonky that I, it's more for showing people cool things you can do more so than winning the game. And so gotcha. getting to play rapacious one, could it be supported better? Absolutely. But that's also just not the type of game that I want to do. Like, I, I don't want to sit down with somebody newer and have them feel completely overwhelmed. Like, maybe I'll, I'll overwhelm them with, like, the card overwhelm, but not not the <laughs> actual feeling of of me just doing something that they just never had a chance with. And and so th this is a little bit tempered, but that's not to say there, there aren't powerful things that I'm still doing. And so that's just kind of the spot that this deck has settled in. I've I've contemplated if I really want to, you know, see what I can do with this deck, like how, how hardcore can I make it? But then that also kind of takes away from some of the fun things that I get to do. Be, uh, nobody else is playing brood birthing in their decks, right. but <laughs> here, here we are. So, so every bit of personality, it comes with the cost of, of efficiency. And if I wanted to go the other way, then like some of the cards that I put in there because of the personality that goes into that, or that, that card adds to the deck, I wouldn't be able to play. And so it's kind of this, how, how far do you want to take it? And for now, at least this, this is right where I, I enjoy it to be. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important to kind of identify what power level and what feel you want from your deck. Um, mm -hmm. Cause you're right. You could, you know, you could even just add like a couple Eldrazi Titans into this, but I like that you have a place where you want it to be. And that place is playing Eldrazi Devastator and Ulamox Crusher as like top end creatures. And I think yeah. that's yeah. just like, I love that so much. Like that's so much more fun to me than, uh, than seeing Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger again. <laughs> so. well, and and cards like the Eldrazi Titans, like, they're absolutely powerful. But also when you see them, you kind of get the feeling that, oh, okay, well, like nothing good is going to come from this. And maybe yeah. they the, the rest of the format has caught up because... You know, several years ago, especially when the, the Titans were first printed, there was, they were doing something head and shoulders above what the rest of any fo casual format could be doing. And so maybe they're not as bad, but I just, I remember seeing somebody cast uh, the OG Ulamog and was like, okay, well, um, I guess we're <laughs> hosed. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that's just not a feeling that I want somebody to, to be feeling. So yeah, Ulamog's Crusher, still a very powerful card, still you know, has mm. Annihilator. So it's, it's doing something powerful, but it's not in a way that it's so overwhelmingly powerful that especially newer players feel like there's no way out from under it. Totally. Yeah. And I love that you um, specified that like you want this to be playable at a table with newer players, just because I feel like that's so, so important to have that. I think a lot of the decks that I play frequently with my in-person play group are not decks that I would want to like pull out to play with somebody who just started a few weeks ago. 
Like yeah. the, those are established and they have a place in my playgroup. So yeah, I love having a couple pre-cons uh, on the side or just like decks that I brewed specifically to be kind of at that level. And yeah. And, and one yeah. I made recently that I am reminded of right now is I, I built a popper EDH deck, uh, which is, it's kind of a spicy variant where you can have any um, uncommon creature as your commander. It doesn't have to be legendary. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, yeah, and, and just for fun, I built a Graveblade Marauder deck, which is a mono black, like cares about the number of creatures in your graveyard deck. Yep, yep. And and that was super fun to build. Um, also very affordable to build. And I put Eldrazi Devastator and Ulamog's Crusher in that deck as um, like reanimation targets. So <laughs> um, yeah, that's making <laughs> yeah. me think of that. And And those, you know, Especially in like Popper EDH, those kind of those hit the battlefield really hard. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and, I had a th- and and if that's if that's where this deck lands, where it's doing things that are super powerful in Popper, that maybe they translate a little bit into regular Commander. That's fine with me. I like I, said, I like you said. Yeah, we have decks for the established playgroups for the, for our friends that they know what they're doing. They know what they're signing up for when we play X mm-hmm. deck. Everybody has those decks, and, and this deck, I, I can play it at those tables because it's still, like I said, it's still doing things that are good enough, quote-unquote, to keep up, but it's also not doing something that nobody ever feels like they ha- they, they don't have a chance to interact with. This, this yeah. deck very much is sorcery speed. You see it coming from a mile away because that's how big Eldrazi are, is that you can see them from a mile away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Physically and in card form. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I think also one thing that is important as well is uh, get, like going to events, not even just like new players, mm-hmm. like maybe at your game store, but also at events where you're playing 10 games of commander in a day with different tables every time. Like this deck is perfect for that kind of thing where it can kind of um, like you can hang with the the decks maybe around you that get a little spicier um a little more hardcore but also with like against a lot of people just pick up pre-cons at events and then play those um and i feel like Mm -hmm. it's perfect for that too so yeah yeah i think it's a nice sweet spot yeah i I would say my favorite just power level in general lately i would say over the past year or two especially since pre-constructed decks have gotten so good is that pre-con plus 10 cards type of power level where the pre-con out of the box, add some of your own flavor, add some some garlic salt or, or whatever personal seasoning <laughs> you like, and then run with that. That's I, I probably have, I went from eight decks to 16 just because pre-constructed decks of the past few years have been so good. And so half of those decks are, they still have a majority of the pre-constructed list in there, except maybe a, a, a few, I would say 10, 15 tops different type, different cards that are swapped out. And that's just the deck. That's just, it's, I, A, it's because I think Wizards of the Coast has done a great job with pre-constructed decks lately, but also just, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's it's a power level that's attainable for dang mm. near anybody. You're, you're not buying wins because, you know, like if, when I first got back into the game, you very easily could spend $300 and you had a deck that you're buying wins at that point. Well, $300. Yeah market value these days that's kind of average actually and so part of that's because pre-constructed decks are are good and then you spend how 50 bucks whatever and you have a very 
personalized deck that still is going to do some really cool things. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think back when I started getting introduced to Commander, um, one of my friends picked up the um, the Commander 2015 Kalemne deck, uh-huh. white, red, oh, like Giants themed. Uh, like very, yeah, exactly. Very um, uh, infamous as being possibly one of the worst precons of all time. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I picked up the Marin deck, of course, also infamous, but for a very different reason. And yeah. yeah, and those were some of the most unbalanced games I had ever played. Yeah, and it wasn't until much later when we kind of figured out that, you know, we could build our own decks and, and change the power levels um, mm-hmm. that it got better. But yeah, I totally agree. Like the the Faldorn precon, which came out with one of the uh, D&D sets, that mm-hmm. was, yeah, Red Green cared about casting stuff from Exile. I did the same thing. I, I switched out like t- uh, 10 to 15-ish cards. Um and then kind of upgraded some of the lands, and it's one of yep. the one of my favorite decks to play. Like I love playing that deck. Yeah, I, I it's it's so good. And the Faldhorn deck, that thing by itself was probably one of the most powerful precons, maybe <laughs> ever. That thing comes out of the box and just demands respect from the table. It's true. Yeah, yeah. The the amount of wolf tokens I get from that deck, play playing the weirdest like five drop sorceries, is so funny to me. But it, but it's super fun still like you still get to do a lot of really cool things and that's yeah it's I just it's so fun doing that because you can play it with folks who are established you you, you get a lot of mileage out of those types of decks where you can play with folks who are brewing their own decks doing you know they they have their play style and they they, they know what they're doing but also you can play with somebody who just got the precon and just unsleeved their very first deck yeah that's that's the beauty I think of of decks in this power level it's not the my deck is a seven thing. It's it, it's below a seven for <laughs> sure, but it can't have those seven moments. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is, I mean, not to get into like a power level discussion uh, <laughs> in this episode, that would be a whole separate Fair. thing. But um, separate. Yeah. but yeah, I, I agree. It is kind of a, like it changes, right? Your deck in one game, you might, uh, your opponents, like your opponents affect how your deck works so much in a game of commander. And like one game, my deck might perform at a four and another game, it might be a 10 randomly. I might get some weird combo, um, because somebody is doubling my mana or something. And, um, yeah, yeah, you never know. So yeah, it's nice to have at least like an idea of where you want your deck to be, um, when you're playing it and when you're building it. Yeah, very, very much. So it's, it's always helpful kind of knowing, what the end goal is, and that just kind of helps direct a lot of the cor- the card choices that you put in the deck. And so, yeah, f- once I figured out where I wanted to take the deck, it really helped shape the rest of the cards that I put around that that main theme. Gotcha. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, that perfectly kind of segues us into one of the questions I have for you, which is, like, what's the history of this deck and what kind of changes have you made to it? At least the changes that we haven't talked about already. A lot of the changes we've kind of already hit on, the the big top end cards have changed a little bit because did I at first I was wondering well do I want to play the big kind of random Eldrazi creatures? Do I want to get a few of the good ones? And so that's been kind of the biggest flux. Once I got the main shape of the deck in there, that's that's probably the most that's changed because unfortunately, or well I guess fortunately for everybody, but unfortunately for the 
deck. We don't get Eldrazi very often, so mm. I really only have two blocks of cards to pick from when it yeah. comes to the, the main bulk of what I'm trying to do. Uh, so I have the original Eldrazi that make Eldrazi uh, spawns, uh, so I have stuff like uh, Emrakul's Hatcher or Rapacious One that we talked about. And then I have the Battle for Zendikar block, which has your Eldrazi Scions, which the, the difference is that the spawns were zero ones, Scions are one one. And mm. so I have Brood Monitor and Birthing Hulk and stuff like that. So, But that's that's really six, well, not even six, five magic sets that I get to pick from <laughs> when it comes to all of my different Eldrazi that I'm putting in here. So I that's probably what limits the deck the most, but also I don't have to worry about this deck during every single preview season, which is a relief yeah. because of how many, because of just how accelerated it feels that preview seasons are these days. So the, the deck doesn't change a whole lot when it comes to the main, the main cards. There are some, you know, every now and then we get something new and cool. Uh, Land of War Loam Speaker is a newer card that I tried oh. out and was blown away with. Uh, because it's it's a way to make a land a 3-3 elemental with haste. It's still a land, so it still benefits from Raga Draga's ability. So basically I can tap a 1-3 and I make a 5-5. Five five, wow. Which being able to do that, that that's that's pretty great. That's what I like to be doing. Um, along with Armored Scrap Gorger, that's probably one of the newer cards. So uh, every now and then I'm getting something cool that kind of fits the theme and it's better than the last mana dork eventually i would like to get to the point where every every mana dork that i'm playing it has the mana ability plus some upside so i don't have to be playing Horn elves anymore i don't have to be playing viridian joiner we already got kind of a better version of that uh when we got the the kami of whispered hopes mm -hmm. in march of the machines so Every now and then it'll get something new that kind of slots in in front of what I was already doing. But by and large, this deck won't be changing a whole lot from set to set. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that is honestly uh, like quite an upside because I've definitely had decks in the past where it seemed like every other set just kind of caused me to try to overhaul the deck every time because there were so mm -hmm. many cards that, that worked with it. Yeah, so it's cool that you have this like niche creature type that we only see in usually in Zendikar sets, and then even then, like this recent, most recent trip to Zendikar had no Eldrazi in it, so it's not guaranteed there either. So yeah, I think that's that's kind of cool that it minimizes the amount of like work you have to do thinking about updating this deck every set. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely, and it's it's nice. I I enjoy the feeling. I know I'm kind of in the minority to commander players. But I find some comfort in knowing that a deck is done, that mm. I don't have to worry about it. I have it in this place that I really enjoy, and I don't need I, I don't need to look over my shoulder wondering, well, is a better card going to come along? And that's kind of the beauty of having a, a more narrow theme or more narrow strategy, because then, you, like I said, you, you don't have to worry about these new cards that are always going to be perpetually coming in and overthrowing the deck and, and getting rid of some of the cards that... I, I have decks that I've taken cards out of that I never got to take. I never got to cast the cards that I put in because there's something new that, that was replacing it already. And so that type of feeling just to me sucks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> and so like, I don't want to, I don't want to spend money on cards and then just not play them. So uh, having a deck like this, that doesn't need to worry about that is it's, it's a sigh of relief, but also it, it's, 
I don't know. It's, it's, so there's something comforting about that to me. I'm, I'm a creature of habit. Totally. Yeah, I agree. I think, first of all, that is one of the worst feelings. And I feel so bad taking a card out. I'm like, well, who knows if I'll see this card I'm replacing you with either. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I, I feel similar. I think um, there are definitely lots of niche strategies that do need more help. And when those like get a set that helps it out a lot that's exciting and that's awesome yeah. but yeah for this one it does seem like you've got um even though it's a, a very small number of sets that have those eldrazi creatures you've still got like some very strong cards that make them and some support for them and like enough so that you feel yeah. uh, like you don't feel like you need a couple more pieces to make it work no you like could could i use a few more pieces absolutely every, every deck could you could you know use a little bit more help but i don't need mm-hmm. it and and yeah, it, it's nice that the deck still... Like, I can sneak out wins on my own, just the way it is. Um, and I don't need that that extra that push over the edge. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. I think that um, that says a lot about um, a deck. And also, it's just, it's just nice to not have to be like trying to parse every card, <laughs> every new card, and its potential yep. place in all of your yep. decks that you have. Because that's just too much sometimes. <laughs> very very much too much okay so um yeah i think we talked about uh, kind of like what the goals are for playing this deck um and kind of the the way it operates towards that end goal um mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that what would you say are this deck's weaknesses well so when you, whenever you build a deck that relies fairly heavily on synergy uh, if the synergy isn't there, then you're not really doing a whole lot. And I would say that's probably the biggest downfall of this deck. Uh, the the commander is great because it makes all of my otherwise irrelevant creatures very relevant. But on the flip side, if if Raga Draga gets killed two or three times, mm. uh, I, I, more than likely I'm not going to be able to do it. So then I'm left with a board full of zero ones. <laughs> <laughs> and the the four four that they came into play with, and I'm overpaying for that at the same time. So, the the deck maybe does rely a little bit too much on synergy, uh, and so that that kind of can backfire a little bit. But that honestly, like I, I wouldn't say like I'm fine knowing a deck has a weakness, but mm. giving newer players a chance to say, oh, like well, we we were able to do this, and and they see okay, well, progressively, we, we killed it once and it cost a lot more. And now we're seeing how he, how many resources he has to sink into it to make that board scary again. And so also to maybe apply to their own lessons of, well, if we lean too heavily on synergy, this is what happens. Uh, and so that would be the biggest downfall of the deck. And and like I kind of hinted at earlier too, the deck very much operates at sorcery speed. There's not a lot of surprises with this deck. And so that also, I'm never going to catch somebody with with this deck. That's just not really how it works. And so those are probably the two biggest downfalls. Is just It relies maybe a little too heavily on the synergy and also just what you see is what you get. But that's also, that's me in general. Mm. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I really like what you said about uh, giving like newer players the opportunity to see a way out of your board when it gets scary. I think when you're newer, especially to Commander, it's like a very rewarding 
level up moment to solve the puzzle and figure out a way to get out. And if that's honestly just teaming up to kill Raga Draga a couple times and they just see that like the board looks scary, but without Raga Draga, it doesn't function as well. Like that's a cool level up moment for them to experience. And then I think it's also cool for you as kind of the, the more experienced player. That's a level up moment for you to like recognize that and then like be okay with that being a thing in your deck so that other people get to experience that. I think that's really cool. Can you tell my mom is a teacher? Oh, <laughs> I definitely could. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so get, yeah. Giving folks a chance to just, I, I like learning from every game that I play and, and being able to participate and help facilitate that for other players. Yes. There, I, I know that there's a weakness in the deck. No, I'm not doing anything about it. That's just yeah. what I, I'm just happy with the deck being in that place and, and being able to open games up like that. So gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. And I, at least at the very least, I do think since this deck does revolve pretty heavily around uh, like mana dork creatures, that um, that's at least like a solid backup plan to that weakness is you're just going to mm-hmm. have a lot of mana. So <laughs> if you get yeah, your creatures out, like it's not never a bad thing to have too much mana. Yeah, th- this deck does do a very good job at making a lot of mana. That is absolutely true. Yeah, I love it. To get kind of into the more um, specific cards here, uh, are there any notable cards you'd like to shout out that kind of fill the generic roles of a deck, usually like card advantage, mana ramp, or removal type of stuff? So as far as just you, you, you the veggies of a deck, like you need them to really be a, a good, growing, healthy deck. <laughs> there, there's a few in there that kind of do... A really good job of filling some different roles so uh, forsaken monument i think is just such a fantastic utility card for this deck uh so it's five mana for a legendary artifact creatures i control get plus or colorless creatures i control get plus two plus two which is great because most of the creatures in the deck are colorless uh whenever i tap a permanent for a colorless mana i create an additional so it helps fill a little bit of that that mana ramp slot because i intentionally put in a lot of colorless making lands uh, whether it's Blighted Woodland, Ink Moth Nexus, Kessig Wolf, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So there's a lot of them that benefit off of that because I'm able to add additional mana, but also it opened up, there's a lot of abilities like Endbringer is a card that I really like, but it requires colorless mana in order to to cast and to activate, activate its abilities. So I put in a lot of those intentionally because I want to be able to benefit off of my, my monuments there. Uh, also casting stuff like Eldrazi Obligator and to pay the additional cost to steal somebody's creature. So there's there's a lot of little interactions there that kind of make Forsaken Monument pretty good. Uh, Zendikar Resurgent, I mean, that's... I don't need to tell people that a card as popular <laughs> as Zendikar Resurgent is, that it's very, very powerful. But uh, I, I would say, in addition to Monuments, I would say another just generally great card is Outpost Siege. It's one that... It, we've gotten a lot of different effects like this, but this one's flexible because both modes are actually very, very good. I think for a long time, folks were playing out post-siege because, well, you just cast the the cons side and you'd get card advantage every single turn. But if things are going well and I don't really need cards, I can just play the dragon's side of outpost siege. And so then I just have a way to just dish out even more damage. So outpost siege... I. I want to play it in as, as many decks as possible because it's one of kind of the, the OG impulse draw type of cards. Yeah. But it also just, 
both modes are very relevant for this deck, and I feel like that doesn't get to happen very often anymore. So if we're just talking about cards that kind of fill a good, healthy spot in the deck, uh, those are a few cards that I, I think would, would qualify there. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I will say I am very guilty of forgetting that Outpost Siege has the dragon's um, <laughs> mode on it. And yeah. I'll blame that on the Faldorn deck. Like the Faldorn deck will always want the con side for the most part. Um, I, I get it. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. Like it's a great card just for that. And then I love that this deck is a deck that can actually utilize that other half of it. Um, yeah, that's really cool. And that's like a perfect example of it's some, a card that just kind of makes the deck work, but uh, it works a little bit better in this deck than in, in a lot of other instances. So yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Outpost Siege and, and Brazen Cannonade is, is kind of the same thing. Mm. Uh, Brazen Cannonade's a little bit newer. It's from the one of the second jumpstart, but it also, it kind of does both at the same time, both modes of Outpost Siege. So whenever an attacking creature I control dies, it deals two damage to each opponent which is Ooh. great because it discourages blockers. But also, I can sacrifice my my scions and my spawns at instant speed. So when they're attacking, you know, because of how complex the combat step is, you know, I can deal damage and we're in the cleanup stage of the combat step. So they're still attacking creatures. They've already dealt their damage. I can still sacrifice them to, to get the, the trigger off of Brazen Cannonade, nice. which is super great. And then... If I attacked with a creature this turn, uh, I can exile the top card of the library and I can play until my next turn uh, at the beginning of my post-combat main phase. So if I attack with something, I get to impulse draw for a turn. So Brazen Cannonade does a lot of really, really good things in the same way that Outpost Siege does. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. It does give you that that card kind of card advantage type of thing. But then, yeah, that, that synergizes perfectly with all the Eldrazi that have the self-sacrifice ability. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I can just, I can just, I can throw them in knowing they're going to die. And that's totally okay because they're still going to deal two damage and get me a card. That's awesome. Yeah, I bet you can kill some people with that, just with that ability after attacking them. <laughs> Very much able to kill people as well, but that's... <laughs> we, we won't talk about that too much. We don't want to give <laughs> away all good. the secrets. Yeah, don't don't worry about that. It'll probably be fine. <laughs> okay, so my next question for you is, what would you say is your MVP card of the deck or just like the most synergistic, kind of like makes everything work together smoothly? Uh, so besides Forsaken Monument, that probably is one of the more powerful cards in like in the context of this specific deck. Mm. Uh, the commander, obviously, as well, because the whole, the whole deck is built around making sure Raga Drag is on the battlefield. Um, I would say that probably the most single powerful card, f- like in this deck, when all things are are pumping on all cylinders, is Sponsire of Ulamog. And this Ooh. might be one of the the only decks in Commander that can say I play Sponsire of Ulamog and I don't care about half the text. <laughs> so so yeah. so Sponsire of Ulamog is it's ten mana for an Eldrazi has Annihilator one. I'm never attacking with it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a 7-11 creature. I can pay 20 mana and cast any number of Eldrazi cards from outside the game without paying their mana costs. Well, in Commander, that doesn't mean anything because you don't have cards outside the game. You don't have a sideboard or anything like that. But I can pay 4 mana and put two zero one Eldrazi spawns on the battlefield. Ooh. So most decks don't like 4 mana for two zero ones. That's not really worth it. But... When they're two threes or four fives, more often than not, 
that's when this like it really starts to add up pretty quickly and so uh it's 10 mana but also it, it makes an army very very quickly oh, that is so cool this is one of those cards that i i have this list going in moxfield that's just cards i want to play like in a deck at some point yeah <laughs> and this one has just been, been in there i've never literally never played it anywhere um, but it's always been in there for years at this point. And it's such a cool card. But you're right. Yeah, in any other deck, that four mana for the two Eldrazi is not worth it. The last ability is blank. But yeah, when they're actually like huge creatures you're producing each turn or mm-hmm. with however much mana you have, which this deck also, like we said, makes a ton of mana. That's really cool. I'm super into that. Yeah, I, I, I've been enjoying that card a lot since I was like, I guess we'll try it out. This was one of those top end cards that I didn't have it in the original list. I just had mm-hmm. some big generic beater, but I was like, you know what? Let's give it a shake. So I, I nobody's buying this card in 2023 because yeah. it's not <laughs> it's not great in Commander anymore. But it, I gave it a shot. And I, I've had a lot of fun with it. It's also 10 mana. So when somebody sees me spending 10 mana on a creature, they're like, oh my gosh, mm. something big is coming out. And they're like, oh, that that's it. <laughs> But then the newer players like, oh my gosh, that's so cool! And so that yeah. the, it, it's it's funny getting very very different reactions from different ends of the spectrum. There, it's true. Yeah, when they're expecting Ulamog and then they get Sponsire of Ulamog instead, it's like yeah, not quite. Oh, maybe I don't need to worry about that. And then uh, maybe it actually is something they should be worrying about. That's really cool. I think I'm I'm like a, a huge fan of this deck, but this card in particular, I just love love that that you can play it in this deck and have it's, it be it's so been cool. a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, so kind of similar uh, similar picking out individual cards. Um, do you have any pet cards in this deck that you just you just can't resist playing because you love them so much? Uh, so I will put Rishkar's Expertise into every green deck until the day <laughs> I die. And this deck, about half the time, is, is built to do very well with Rishkar's Expertise. The other half of the mm-hmm. time, I'm not doing a whole lot. But I, I don't care. I, I put this into <laughs> decks where I maybe draw three cards, but I still get the bonus of, of the other half. We're going to cast, uh, cast a spell for five or less for free. That's fine with me. Uh, it's 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 great. I, I love Rishkar's Expertise. Uh, I remember when I was first really getting deep into the format, I cast this in my Omnath Locus of Rage deck, and I drew five cards and cast a five drop for free. And... Mm. It was one of those, oh my gosh, like, yeah. what am I, what hath I wrought type <laughs> of just, oh my God, like I giggling to yourself. It it feels so fun. Uh, Rishkar's Expertise is the first card I just, I very vividly remember just laughing because it was so ludicrous to me that you could be doing this in yeah. a game of magic. Yep. That's definitely one of those cards where you cast it and you just feel like you're cheating somehow. Like there's no way you could do this. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I, I, there was, I thought there's no way this card is going to stay legal. So I have to cast it while I can. Mm. And then everything caught up to it, but Rishkar's expertise, I just, I could not get enough of it. And I've, 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 like I said, I've made it my personal mission to just put this in every green deck. Even if it's not great, I just, I love this card it, it's it's this card to me is why I play commander. It's this big expensive spell that does all these really cool things. And it's just, holy cow, all the value just, it's what I like to be doing in commander. And, and, and it's yeah, pretty much yeah. like if you put me on a card that th- th- it's probably going to be Rishkar's expertise. 
Hell yeah. I feel like everyone uh, should have just a card like that that embodies everything they love about Magic and Commander. Yeah, and plays it as much as they can. Yeah. I think it's, it's yeah, that's cool. That's what pet cards are for. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's not a card that, you know, you, you talk to some people and, oh, I put Swords of Plowshares in every single deck, or I put Heuristic oh, Study. This is a card that I, the, the entrenched player and the casual player can both see how powerful it is, but not everybody's playing it in every single deck. The fact that there's a little bit of personality behind this card that I've just adopted for myself. I, I, yeah, everybody should have one of those cards because that's just, that's why we play commander. We, we, we play these cards that we can't play in other formats. And so just kind of embrace it. That's, that's why we're, that's why we're here. Yeah, it's true. Card by card. If you love the cards that you're putting into the stack, then overall you're going to love that deck. And the, yeah. And every time you draw a card and it makes you smile, like that's how, you know, you've, you've put it in the deck um successfully (laughs) i that card makes me chuckle every time i cast it i love it yeah yep i have like i chuckle when it's cast against me as well when my opponent draws 14 cards and they already had a 14 14 like it can't get worse than this and then it does (laughs) And and then hold my beer exactly yeah now that we've kind of you know we've gone through the deck list and and all the amazing things it can do um, what has been one of your favorite like in-game moments that you've had while you've played this deck? Ooh. Uh, so probably the wildest sequence that I've ever had with this deck was it was pretty late into the game and somebody drew a very timely board wipe. Hmm. So they're, they're casting a uh, Wrath of God or whatever it was. So everybody had five, ten creatures in place. And I, I obviously very much had more than that because my all my creatures make more creatures. I probably had six or seven non-token creatures in play. And so they cast the board wipe and I sacrificed all my, my scions in response to make a bunch of mana. And I cast Vile Redeemer after the board was wiped. So uh, Vile Redeemer is two and a green for a three, three Eldrazi with flash. And when you cast Vile Redeemer, you can pay one colorless mana. And if you do, you put a one, one colorless Eldrazi scion creature token Onto the battle for onto the battlefield for each non-token creature that died under your control this turn, and then those creatures have the mana ability. So nice. I was able to basically just the, the board was wiped, everything was going to be clear, but then I was able to just put my board back onto the table. I, I had you know six scions, whatever however many it was, uh, and then I untapped and I cast Beastmaster Ascension and won the game from there. Oh, uh, so Beastmaster <laughs> Ascension is one of my favorite cards. Uh, it's two and a green. Uh, whenever you attack with a creature, uh, you can put a quest counter on it. And as long as there's seven or more quest counters on Beastmaster Ascension, creatures you control get plus five, plus five. So this deck is all about taking a one, one or a zero. And when the game is done, they were not that measly creature for very long. So Beastmaster Ascension, Forsaken Monument, my commander, like it's, there's a whole bunch of cards in here that make this measly creature more than that. And and that's what I really enjoy about the deck is uh, it, it's not going to stay a very small creature for very long. So again, there's a lot of synergy in the deck, but if the synergy doesn't come together, I'm, I'm kind of just uh, up the creek without a paddle. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool sequence. I, I think sometimes people will play a board wipe 
and it'll like reset the game basically you kind of like start the game anew Mm -hmm. and i love playing cards that like turn your opponent's board wipes against them and like let you get ahead a little bit i i will say i don't think i've ever seen um vile redeemer in that list of cards that does something like that yeah (laughs) and i love i love that (laughs) yeah vile redeemer is fantastic and and just i wanted so vile redeemer and i have had a long arduous relationship i've i've Mm. tried to make this card work in five decks at least or so but it's it's never really come together Uh, i used to have a gliss of the traitor deck that didn't work and so i've i've had a copy it's a foil pre-release copy because i thought the card was cool when it Mm. first was previewed so at the pre-release i got a copy and i've never had it in a deck for very long because it just wasn't good and here we yeah. are finally having a home for it. So that, that feels very, very good for me. I love that. Yeah, this this card's actually a bit nostalgic for me too, because this around this time, which is kind of funny looking back on it now, um, but Battle for Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch, those sets, the playgroups I was in at the time were playing standard. Um, so I was playing, of course, like I was playing what my friends were playing. And so I was playing standard around that time. And yeah, and I... I uh, tried to make a deck work that was a black green like sacrifice deck with Eldrazi Scions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it played a lot of cards that you're playing here, like Vile Redeemer was in there. Lots of creatures that uh, and and things that made Eldrazi Scions. Um, my favorite one was uh, From Beyond, which lets you like tutor for for yep. an Eldrazi. Yep. And yeah, so a lot of these cards, I'm I'm just like making me think of my. 2016 era standard deck which was not good even back then but yeah I'm, I'm so glad that like after all these years these just obscure cards like vile redeemer are able to uh, are able to make an imp- impact in commander which is yeah my favorite format yeah absolutely yeah and i i kind of was in the same same boat as you for a little bit where i had all these cards that i couldn't play in standard but i really wanted to play them still and so just just having a home for all these cards that I wanted to make good but never could. Uh, it's that it, again, that's just why we play Commander. It, it's a chance to do these things that other formats don't allow, whether it's they're too efficient or whatever else. And so you can just is this card great? No. Do I care? Also no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. That's uh, that's like the spirit of the format that we're trying to um yep. embrace and yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It, if Rachel Weeks and I sat down and just wanted to like build a deck together, that would probably be, probably be the most fun thing I could do because yeah. Rachel's approach to if it's on the shelf, it's going in the deck. That I <laughs> that that's what I just uh, I'm I'm chasing that high basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of us are here for, or that's, what that's I'm, what I'm here, here for. for. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, so, well, I'm, like, fully convinced. I'm already getting, like, some nostalgia from Eldrazi back then. And I'm sure other people out there are as well. Or are just at least interested in in checking out Raga Draga as a commander. What advice would you give to those people looking to build this deck? Uh, So if you're thinking about building a Raga Draga, my my big pieces of advice are finding the balance between the, the synergistic pieces and the cards that don't need help. So you, you want to have a little bit of both. You don't want to go all in because it, like, again, if the synergy doesn't come together, the deck probably isn't doing a whole lot. Uh, you're, you're stuck with these measly little creatures that 
don't don't do a whole lot. And so finding that balance is going to be big. Uh, or if you want to find some safety valves or or some extra protection out of your utility slots to make sure that you know, okay, I I got my I got my synergy card in play. And so now I need to protect it. So that's the big balance of what you want to be be looking for in the deck is uh, what what's the tipping point of too many synergy pieces so that you know I, I have all these anthems, but I don't have any cards that are making the the cards that are going to get big and and so it, it, this I would say the the deck really is more art than science when it comes to figuring out where your personal preferences lie with the balance of the cards, but. Again, that I like that process of I'm going to play the deck 10 times and I'm going to have 10 different conclusions and mm. I'm going to find that balance of somewhere in between all of them is the truth about what I want the deck to look like. I like that approach a lot. I think I tend to self-sabotage a bit when I play a deck one time, the first game ever, and I'm like, okay, there are 10 cards that need to be switched out here. When <laughs> really the more responsible path to go would be to be like, no, I, I built the deck. Let's play 10 games and just take some notes. And then at the end of that, yeah, then I can make some changes. Yeah. Just just give it a chance. See what it does. If you don't like it after a few, a few trial runs, then we can give up on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, but also, like, I think that players, and maybe this is just the, the, the me that's been playing the, the format for 10 years. Mm. But I, I would say it almost feels like players give up on decks too soon. You know, they, they play a game or two and, okay, well, it didn't do, so I'm just going to try something else instead. I, and, and again, maybe this is just me. I like the process of finding the ins and outs of decks and, and really getting to know the deck first before I make that decision of, do I want to get rid of it or do I want to keep it around? Do I want to do this or that? And so when <laughs> it's crazy to me that when somebody is like, okay, well, I played the deck twice and... I put all the cards that I wanted in there, but I didn't do it. So I'm just kind of giving up. I'm like, just, mm. just how, what, what, no, just tinker. Just, just, I mean, when tinkering, I mean, I, I'm, I play fantasy football. So like tinkering is the worst <laughs> thing you could do there. But here that's, that's the joy of, okay, we're, we're going to figure it out. We're going to, we're going to make this work. Um, and obviously not every deck always will end up working, but uh, it, it is fun for me at least to, to really see, see what the deck needs and get it to that point where you do enjoy it after all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good advice. I, I definitely have, um, have done that in the past where I'll play a deck a couple times and I'm just like, mm, it didn't really work. So maybe I should take it apart. But, um, something that has really helped me is, uh, at the start of this year, I made a list of, uh, all my commander decks that I have built, um, and are kind of like ready to go. And every time I play, um, a bunch of games with my playgroup. I'll like I'll just put like a tick mark next to each of those decks, just so I can track like how many games I've played. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll take notes on like maybe some ideas for card changes and stuff. But just purely tracking the number of games I played, I actually end up um, like playing less games with a deck than I kind of like used to think I did. Um, mm -hmm. Like there are some decks uh, we're like almost five months into this year, and there are some decks. I've only played two or three times so far this year. And that's like not enough times to, to be able to judge them yet. So, and it also helps me kind of like cycle through my decks. So I play them all, which I like to do. So yeah, that's something that's helped me a lot. And, and I think is, is just good yeah. to do in general. 
Yeah, get, I mean, just give everything a chance. Don't don't kind of give up on it before you you have to. And I understand everybody everybody's level of of patience for that. I guess is is very very different. But I, I for me at least, I enjoy the process of okay, let's let's tinker, let's find things that work. And maybe the, again, that's that's maybe the sixty card player in me coming back, and and mm-hmm. that's what's left over is, you know, you, you want to find the right ratios and finding the the ins and outs of your sideboard and maximizing that. And so maybe that's where all that's coming from me. And and we're just, we're doing therapy here, you and I. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Well, I do think that is really good advice though. Um, uh, Well, for players who are looking to build Raga Draga, but also like a lot of commander players in general. So yeah, thank you for the advice, Matt. Yeah, you're very welcome. This was, this was good. Yeah, this was really fun. Um, yeah, so if you are interested in checking out Matt's Ragged Draga deck list, I'll have a link to that down in the episode description. And also a bunch of links to where you can find Matt and his content. But yeah, Matt, what do you have going on? Do you have anything you'd like to shout out? Um, some information as we kind of head to a close? Um, nothing really special to shout out that um, most folks probably aren't already keyed in on. Uh, I do the EDH Recast. Uh, it's the podcast for EDH Rec, the website. Uh, I do it with Joey Schultz and Dana Roach. Uh, five years we've been doing that, which is, uh, it's it's still wild to me that we've been doing it that long. So um, other than that, I mean, there, there's not a whole lot else that's going on special. Uh, hopefully, you know, with events that are finally taking off again, I get to see everybody out there and uh, get some games in. Yeah, I love it. And yeah, first of all, congratulations on five years of a podcast that is truly yeah. an accomplishment really really cool yeah and thank thank you very much yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's been a really fun ride yeah that's awesome if anyone out there is able to find matt um at an event i would definitely recommend playing against raga draga because i had a fantastic time um when i got that opportunity and yeah i would highly recommend it yeah it's it's a fun deck and i i like playing it so any any opportunity <laughs> and excuse that i have to play it i i, I will 100 percent take that's perfect i love it cool okay yeah and so i will also have links to where you can find the fairy conclave stuff uh down in the episode description and as we head to a close one last thing is i always shout out every patron at the all that glitters level currently it's just one person jeff hadfield thank you so much jeff for being a patron i really really appreciate it and yeah and thank you everyone else for listening thank you once again matt for joining me and letting me ask you a bunch of questions about one of your decks i really appreciate it yeah well thank you for having me this was this was a lot of fun and uh you know if you ever need somebody to fill in again uh just feel free to reach out Ooh, i definitely might take you up on that cool okay yeah thanks for listening everybody and i hope to catch you again next time Mm -hmm.